I think just to try to encourage people to be more conscious of their time through my art, through the life phone. I think that's kind of a fundamental underlying thing is to remind people that we're humans. Purposeful Story Podcast, where we interview entrepreneurs, drivers, and social impactors who use purpose as the driver to achieve greatness. My name is Kobe Mponsa, and I'm here to provide you with priceless value that will last a lifetime. So let's get right into it. All right, so today we have Joe Hollier, co-founder of The Light Phone. Both Joe and Kawhi Tang, the other co-founder of The Light Phone, developed a minimalistic phone built to focus on the original primary functions of what a phone does, right, which are to send messages and make phone calls. Their most recent release, The Light Phone 2, has a little bit more added features, um, podcasts, alarm clock, and then a calculator, and that's literally it. Um, you know, I think the pro- a product like this is absolutely brilliant, especially in a world where companies are taking what some would argue an immoral approach to literally suck the attention out of out of end users. And I purchased the light for myself because I read a book called Digital Minimalism that I, I've talked about on the show quite often. Cal Newport, yeah. Cal Newport, and that's my guy. Like, I really love everything that he does. Um, and I will say since purchasing the phone, it, it's definitely assisted me in being more productive and just avoiding distractions and really enjoying the moment that I'm in. So Joe, thanks for coming on the show today. Of course. Thanks for having me. So Joe, how are you feeling right now in this instance? Uh, it's a weird time, I'm sure, for everyone across all industries and walks of life, but uh, overall pretty optimistic in the sense that I think Um, You know, the pandemic for all of the stress it's put on the world has given people a lot of time for reflection, um, you know, across all of the, you know, variety of problems we face as, you know, the human race and, uh, you know, the one sort of bucket that we're attacking the kind of, you know, tech monopolies and that kind of attention economy that they've created that, you know, makes us feel helpless, uh, I think is one that's getting a lot of attention lately. And so I'm feeling pretty optimistic. We're having more people organically come to our project. Uh, and it's, it's been inspiring to hear the different ways that people have actually been able to use the phone and find, you know, some peace of mind uh, during such a, you know, relatively uncertain time for pretty much everyone you know no one really knows when things will pick back up if what that might even look like uh and that's you know stressful for everyone and i think if we're just scrolling away constantly uh you know it's just going to really overwhelm us with anxiety and so i think uh, i feel good that the phone you know this product i've built the last six years of my life trying to bring to life um is able to you know have some sort of tangible impact in that way um Obviously, we're a small business and we were hit quite hard uh, financially by the pandemic, as I'm sure every other small business was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm optimistic that our value proposition with the light phone is as strong as it's ever been. So it's kind of a mixed, you know, scared for what the future holds, but also 
relatively optimistic at the the potential of change that feels in the air across you know I'm, I'm talking very specifically to tech monopolies but when it comes to climate change you know social justice issues there's kind of like you know all these huge buckets that have personally you know been really like meaningful to me and so to see the world kind of waking up uh it's exciting for sure and i think it's interesting that you say um well that, that you mentioned that you know the pandemic has has taken a hit to a lot of a lot of companies but for your the product that you guys have the pandemic and i mean i i would it might not be the best way of putting it but it's it's almost like the perfect storm for a company like yourself because people are spending more time on their phones at more than any point in time throughout humanity so a phone like yours actually adds more value to their to people's lives during this time yeah. right so that's been the the positive side of it. I guess uh, where it's sort of sent us on some confusion is that we considered ourselves uh, relatively grassroots. We had a lot of in-person initiatives to try to go to South by and show up and, you know, hand out printed zines. And uh, we didn't embrace social media and the internet so much as a, as a marketing platform. But now because everyone's indoors, we had to sort of rethink, you know, how do we talk to people? Um, and so it's, you know, just a recalibration uh, on our end. But as you mentioned, yeah, I think people are more overwhelmed than ever. Uh, even my personal life, you know, some of my close friends, you know, never cared for the light phone. It wasn't something they felt they needed in the pandemic. I've seen more and more of them reach out. Hey, Joe, you know, I think I need to try me one of those light phones now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where I'm feeling it is like seeing close friends of mine that, you know, didn't seem to care. They were like, Oh wait, now I'm spending eight hours a day on this thing. <laughs> Tell me about it. So Joe, where were you born and raised? Uh, I grew up in New Jersey, actually just outside New York city, but uh, my family's from Louisiana and Texas. So it's kind of, I, I bounced between the two, but I, I always grew up. My, my childhood home was in New Jersey. And then I moved to Brooklyn uh, for college um, when I was, I guess, just shy of 18. Um, and I've been here pretty much ever since. And what's that experience been like for you just living in Brooklyn? You know, Brooklyn, Brooklyn's one of my, fa- I'm originally from, like I live in Toronto, okay. but Brooklyn's one of my favorite cities to travel to in the States because it's sort of reflective of Toronto in a sense where it's very diverse. You have so many different cultures, you have different pockets of where those cultures stay. Um, but what, you know, what, what, What's it been like growing up in Brooklyn? I mean, I think, as you mentioned, the diversity across all things, you know, all the great food options, obviously, is a wonderful thing. Things that, you know, my parents never even introduced me to. But I think what on a day to day inspires me is there's just so many people in any industry you're in, I'm sure, but especially in the creative fields that I like to dabble with, you know, there's so many other artists here. There's a lot of motivation, I think, because it's a super expensive city to live in and it's very competitive. It kind of keeps you on your A game a little bit and it it motivates you. And, you know, you can have so many chance encounters, be, you know, at the bar or at a park and meet someone and be like, Oh wait, you're an animator. I, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of opportunity, uh, here if you're if you're willing to kind of put yourself out there a little bit and so i think i get really inspired by the people of brooklyn and you know the the different artists and cultures and it's just you know a kind of beautiful stimulating place 
Got you. And you're uh, a lot of complaints I have about Brooklyn, you know, gentrification (laughs) is out of this world. Absolutely. Uh, Pandemics hit a lot of my favorite small restaurants and bars Mm. establishments hard. So kind of scared for uh, what Brooklyn might look like in a year or two, but I'm sure, you know, New York will rebound. It always has before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're, um, you're a designer, I guess that's your, that's your background. But, you know, as a designer, I feel like designers are very curious individuals. You know what I mean? When you, when you built this product, did you see this type of stuff happening before? Like, did you own, I'm assuming you had like a Samsung, like an Android or, uh, or an iPhone previously. Um, Mm -hmm. But did you foresee this type of stuff happening way before you even built this phone? Yeah. I mean, the, the way the light phone came to be was, you know, kind of a chance accident. You know, I didn't necessarily see myself starting a technology company. Um, I, I did have an iPhone, actually probably quite young. I got an iPhone um, relative to like friends of mine. Um, but I think my relationship to my phone was pretty healthy. Uh, you know, I was working as an artist and designer and, you know, would turn it off for 14 hours a day while I was in my zone. And then it wasn't until 2014, I joined this uh, Google experiment uh, and they had us thinking a lot deeper about, you know, what kind of technology products we might be able to build as designers. And I kind of really thought, you know, wow, when I look around me, everyone seems so habitually overwhelmed on their phones. And like, I wanted to encourage people to kind of find that like art space that I was so, so precious to me, you know, like I I truly prize my freedom of, um, you know, attention uh, over everything. And so it really came from, you know, wanting to inspire other people to remember that, you know, you could turn your phone off for a whole weekend and, you know, life will go on and you might actually Mm. enjoy it. And when you come back on Monday, turn your smartphone back on and you might feel refreshed and and whatnot. So it's been an interesting thing because I, I kind of, you know, never was super techie myself. And then, you know, trying to build this product, I immediately had to learn and become like a tech guy uh, quite quickly, um, which is ironic and funny, you know? Hmm. So it's very interesting as well, because when I, when I read digital minimalism, I'm so thankful because when I, when I read the book, it's almost like I was able to take a step outside of myself and look at the world. So all of a sudden I'm going to restaurants and I'm seeing people just on their phones. Everyone's head is down and I'm just there looking around. It's like, what is going on? It's like, I'm in a whole world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like I'm outside of uh, like, um, like a bowl with a, you know, with a fish inside of it. I'm just looking at the fish. I'm like, what is, what is going on here? Maybe that's a weird way of putting it, but do you, do you no, get what I'm trying to get at? It's an experience I've had so many times and actually like other light phone users as they try it, they're like, I can't believe everyone else. Was I like that? You know, that's kind of a question I get a lot. Like I, I, I go out and I can't believe everyone's just so on their phone constantly. And, and it's not until you step away that you're really able to see how bizarre and almost like dystopian it is. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, you're like, man, if I'm the only person out of a group of people not on their phone, it's a little bit lonely. Uh, so it's like a double edged uh, sword in a way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you were you were a valid valedictorian for your graduating class, correct? 
I mean, it's art school, so that word always kind of sounds funny to me. I was like, were there even grades? <laughs> I, I am quite proud of that, yeah. And what was, your, what was your speech about? What did you talk about in your speech? I mean, I really did try. I, I, in, in my senior year, my thesis project was also kind of about, and it, it's funny because I, I talked to my thesis teacher about the relationship between the light phone and kind of where I was at, you know, five years prior uh, graduating. And it was about, you know, being aware of these kind of like, that's just the way things are and always kind of questioning and, and being mm-hmm. aware of time. I think in my speech, I tried to beat in the point that like, you know, before we know it as graduating students, we'll be potentially on the other side in the audience as parents. And like, you know, that might happen quicker than we think and to not just let ourselves fall into the routine of wake up, go to work, whatever, to remember all those things in college that, you know, really lit the fire inside of us, those passions, those aspirations to change the world, to not just fall into the comfort. Uh, and so then, you know, tying that into life phone, it's so funny how it, it really does kind of correlate in this, like being aware of, of one's own time and ha- how you spend it. Because, you know, I really do believe that's one of the most valuable and precious and limited resources we have, you know, all the money in the world can't buy you more time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's tons of it is wasted. Tons of it is wasted, especially on, on the phones. Um, now, when you developed the, the light phone, you, you and Kawhi, um, were you guys afraid? Because it's like you have these high-powered phones, Androids and iPhones that can literally, it's literally a computer in your hand, and you guys are essentially downgrading from that. You know, how did you guys figure out this is something that people would actually want to purchase? I mean, I think uh, there was a lot of na- naiveness, at least from my end, uh, maybe less so for Kai, but uh, I was very naive in that, like, I didn't realize how hard it would be to make a phone. I got really excited by when I pitched the idea about the phone, it, it caused a very polarizing reaction. And that reaction, you know, there wasn't even a phone. It was just literally an idea but people would have these conversations about what does it mean to be a father and have kids and also have email in your pocket? What does it mean to be a human in 2016 and coexist uh, with technology? And, you know, these were these profound conversations and we hadn't even made a phone. So I think as an artist, I was just intrigued by just how rich these conversations were. And so I just wanted to push, push, push on that. And I, I don't think I, ever allowed myself to kind of like sink in like do you really think this is a viable product do you really think it's easy to make a phone um so i kind of naively just you know followed my passion uh you know this idea was sparking all these great conversations the same conversations i tried to engage with you know my thesis project all of my art my collages and animations i was making after school but uh when you put it into a, a product like the light phone Uh, a larger audience is able to have an opinion about it. Mm. I think, you know, if you just have a painting, someone like my mom is like, oh, well, I don't really do art and they don't engage with it. But if you have a price tag and a product, someone's like, well, why would I pay a hundred dollars for a phone that does nothing? And it gets their, you know, and maybe they say this is the stupidest thing ever, but at least it's like getting their brain thinking a little bit, the motors are running. And then, you know, we've seen a lot of people six months later say, you know, 
I am addicted to my phone. You know, maybe it would be nice to take a break. So uh, it really started as a more like philosophical uh, conversation than like me saying like, I'm going to make the next big business. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be, you know, that was so not even on the table. Um, Obviously, you know, being naive then when we did launch it, I was hit with a big reality check of like, wow, it is super, super, super hard to make a phone. (laughs) Running a business is a lot of work, you know, and it's not nearly as glorious as it seems when you read about some, you know, famous entrepreneur, you're like, oh, that's the life, you know, your own boss. It's like, and your own janitor and your own accountant (laughs) and your own everything else. Um, So, uh, you know, uh, I think, you know, the naivety really was probably the only way I would have pulled it off. If someone was able to like crystal ball, show me what my life would be like six years later, all the emails and work and stress and ups and downs. I'm like, Oh, I might've been too scared to try it. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I'm glad you brought that up as well, because it's what we talk about on this show, right? Purpose. There has to be a purpose that kept you and Kai going because it's, it's ridiculous work to be an entrepreneur and, and, and you guys have a small team from what you've told me, but what keeps you going, you know, those late nights wearing so many hats, what, what keeps you going on a day-to-day basis? There's probably been a couple of things I've used as my inspiration throughout it, but I think the underlying thing is the purpose. I really believe that, you know, technology, the direction of it isn't aligned with our quality of life and that, you know, technology could be, it's so powerful. It's so amazing. Some of the things that we've been able to accomplish. And I'm just like, why does it have to have this all be, you know, funneled into these social media platforms that are basically just sucking from us? Um, you know, how come technology can't be used to serve us and to make us spend more time with people? So, you know, there's this underlying idea that like, I believe with every bone in my body, um, it's gotten me motivated. And then at different points along the way, you know, we did build a small team, And, you know, those people have been with me through the ups and downs. And at a certain point, you start to feel responsible to them. And it's like, you know, Eileen on our team, she's been with us from very early on. And, you know, I think about her and I get inspired to make sure this thing works. And, you know, I think about our users, the people that gave us $100 on Kickstarter. And they don't know me at all. uh, And they trusted me. And I'm like, you know, for them, I'm doing this. Uh, So, you know, you find your different motivations, but it's usually the selfless things that are able to motivate you. If I'm just like, well, if I make this work, I can buy a house, you know, it's like, I kind of don't care. (laughs) Uh, But if I can channel it into something bigger than me, then it feels like, you know, you feel that purpose inside and you're like, I got to do this. Not just like, can I do this? It's like, I have no choice. I'm doing Mm, this. Got you. And you, when you guys are raising money on Kickstarter, how much, how much did you guys raise? We initially, our first Kickstarter campaign asked for 200000 and we raised just over four hundred. dollars um, wow. But, you know, we got quickly hit with the reality of trying to make a phone from life, which actually costs more like $4 million. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> it was like so such a blessing to prove that this idea had a lot of interest and that's what it enabled us to get a manufacturing partner and some of our investors to actually pull it off um and i'm not sure it would have ever been possible without kickstarter i don't think those investors or manufacturing partners would have taken the risk if we didn't have those platforms to reach 
the actual customers themselves to say, yes, I'll give you a hundred dollars. I trust you guys. And, and you know, it's, it's, I'm super grateful for that. So I guess that was, I mean, Kickstarter, I asked you earlier, how did you sort of validate and test? And that's probably the best way you, you did that, right? By going on Kickstarter. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, um, until a customer really puts money in your pocket, you really don't know if it's, if it's viable. Right. Yeah. I mean, people will say that's an interesting idea, but would they buy it? You know? Uh, and we had a lot of that. That's an interesting idea. A lot of those conversations. Um, but, and you know, investors were like, but do people really want this? You know, our whole portfolio is smartphone apps and it's all moving in this one direction. And you're trying to say, wait, 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 let's go this way. And you know, uh, it's, it's hard to, to prove that. Um, so yeah, I think Kickstarter was definitely a huge turning point. Um, probably the first like stake in the ground as we're doing this. Cause then once you take that money, we owe someone something. Um, yes. and you know, uh, that's when you can hear this ticking time bomb start and you're like, okay, we have one year to try to make this phone happen. And it's a lot of pressure, but it's, you know, necessary pressure probably. Mm-hmm. And how, what would you say is the percentage of, I guess, investors that you went to go see that were like, this isn't going to work. Like when you were going through it, I mean, process. The, the vast, vast majority, um, 99%. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I wouldn't say it was always an immediate no. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's definitely a lot of like, let's keep talking to you guys. But, you know, we found we found out quickly that our job was to get to that no quickly because, you know, they'll want to date and stay potentially in the realm in case it does something changes and they do want to invest. So we had to find the people that were serious. And I think, you know, our investors came with more than just money involved. I think, you know, obviously you have to have solid business plan that seems viable because it is a lot of money, but I think our investors also thought about the moral and, you know, larger social impacts that we're trying to speak of. And I think they believed fundamentally that like we were doing something good. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. That's, it's harder to find investors that put their money where they're like, you know, all the investors say like, we're trying to make a better world. We care so much about this, this and that, the environment, the world, the this. <laughs> but then when the push comes to shove, they just, you know, really care about their money. And you can't necessarily blame them. I guess that's the way most of the world works. But um, to find the investors that were like, you know, Joe and Kai, like the world deserves this. We want to see it happen. So um, we got really lucky. We continue to be <laughs> lucky. For sure. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. You guys are, I'm 100 in support of what you guys, I got my own light phone and I just, yeah, I I love what you guys are doing. It makes the world to us. Joe, uh, you watch, did you watch social dilemma? I haven't, but I get multiple texts and emails from friends and family and just other light phone users that are like, Oh my God, this film, uh, yeah, I, I've heard quite a lot of, about that film. You must be, I mean, you must be super busy to not watch that because it's it's so in line with what you guys are doing. Um, my only one criticism of the documentary is that, and, and a lot of people didn't, I found a lot of people didn't have this same thought process, but maybe because I'm different because I have the phone and I've read Digital Minimalism, but it was good at bringing awareness, but I found it didn't actually provide 
you know, any tangible, actionable, practical, uh, practical solutions. Because it's like, you know, it says, you know, um, you have these companies that are fighting for all of our attention and, you know, it's good. Like, it's good that they put that message out there, but this is why I like, like what like do I do now? Helpless. You're like, okay, great. The world yeah. is going to, and I'm going to keep scrolling Instagram five minutes later. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally know what you mean. And I felt that way. There's been a couple of thought leaders. Uh, I think a couple of them are actually probably in the film that have brought huge attention to, to the, you know, the problems with some of the social media, the Googles of the world, et cetera. Um, but I always felt like they kind of lacked the action, you know? Mm-hmm. So what now? Um, one book I liked was 10 reasons to delete your social media by Jaron Lanier. Uh, he didn't have a tangible, tangible solution other than delete it for now until there's a better option, which, mm. you know, is at least an option yes. um, in some degree of action. And, you know, the light phone might not be the, complete answer to the world but i do feel proud that we're at least trying to provide an alternative and we would love to see others come up you know maybe it's different phones different social media platforms just you know different types of technology companies that aren't just driven off keeping people hooked and addicted and spiraling into these echo chambers um you know and i think there's probably a a ton of potential companies that could come out and and, you know, in other ways, kind of fight the same mission we're fighting. So we, oh. we embrace healthy competition, I guess, or alternatives. Because right now it just feels like it's, you know, this smartphone or that smartphone. It just really didn't feel like there was options to, 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 to have anything else. So, you know, that's where we try to sit in, in somewhere in the, in the middle of that. Got you. And right now I'm reading a book, um, by uh, Mary Kondo. It's, uh, it's called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And she goes through how, you know, to just really be mindful of the things that you collect, right? A lot of times as humans, we just, we just waste so much stuff, right? Oh, um, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And even me going through the book, I'm like, why do I have this clothes just sitting here? Like 80% of the clothes we have in our closet, probably more, we don't even touch for years on end. Maybe that's um, a good thing about Brooklyn. We don't have enough room to have too much stuff. <laughs> you're forced, you're forced to be minimalistic. <laughs> a little bit, but it, there's always waste. It's undeniable, you know. So at, what the question I'm trying to get at is, um, you know, for yourself and I guess everyone on your team, do you guys just live nim- minimalistic lives? Like the product that you're working with, does it reflect your life almost? I mean, I definitely think it does in a lot of ways. I I wouldn't. I don't necessarily consider myself a minimalist because there are certain areas that I probably, you know, spoil myself. Like when it comes to film cameras, I love collecting them and playing with them. And I probably have more than I actually need. Mm -hmm. But I I think I go back to that Marie Kondo quote. Uh, I haven't read the book, but I found this one quote of hers. Just so such a great question that does it spark joy question. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, running things through that filter. Like I do think even before she gave me the words for it, I've kind of always had that mentality of being willing to let things go because you're like, when is the last time I've ever used that, you know, Mm -hmm. and being able to let it go. And I think does it spark joy? Like you could apply that to your digital life as well as your, you know, physical objects in your house. Obviously the physical ones are easy to see, but you're like, you know, does Instagram spark joy? I spent 30 minutes on it today. Does it spark joy or did I actually feel worse 
after it. And I think when you phrase it like that, people are able to say, you know, actually Instagram kind of sucks for me. You know, sometimes I just go on and I get jealous or I see the news and get depressed. And it's very rare that I go on Instagram uh, and, and I'm like, oh my God, that was the best 30 minutes I've ever spent in my life. I'm so happy now. You know, it's like <laughs> you, I never leave feeling satisfied, but you know, uh, my piano or a book or, you know, these other things that mean a lot to me when I spend 30 minutes with them, I really do feel great. So, Very you know, true. just kind of asking like, does it spark joy? And then trying to filter things through that. I think that's a great philosophy. And I know I try to live up to it and I'm sure in some ways I do in other ways I failed terribly as <laughs> like buying more film cameras or whatever else I don't really need another mm-hmm. book. And um, you guys, I mean, right now it's a pandemic, but do you guys have uh, like an actual office location or are you guys strictly remote right now currently? We, you know, we have our office that we were all at pretty much Mm -hmm. every day prior to the pandemic. We still have it, um, but only about one of us sort of alternating will be there at a time, just, you know, obviously keeping things safe. Um, And it's mostly our operations people uh, helping us with, you know, taking returns, sending replacements, things like that, uh, shipping, that kind of stuff. You know, we do sort of still need a place, but uh, the pandemic has thrown a lot of wrenches in terms of like, it takes us a little longer, shipping's all a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do hope to be together in a room sooner than later, but um, we're fortunate that we're able to work remotely for the majority of our work. Although I, I miss the team dearly. Yeah. Um, and just to, to the purposeful story family, like your, your packaging is the best I've ever seen. Like oh, just thanks. so sleek and clean and simple and just, wow. Like kudos to your whole team for the packaging. So, you know, purposeful story family, if you were to order the phone, um, you basically get it and it's like in a rectangular box and you open it and it gives you really short nuggets on why having this phone is important. Just straight to the point. It's not super wordy, easy instructions on how to function the phone. Like it's so, so simple and basic. Like, and I, my mom, she's, um, she's always wants to get a new phone and I always get annoyed with her because it's like, she'll get a phone, but only to ask me how to operate it. It's like, why would you, (laughs) why would you go and purchase a phone that, is you know it's too complicated for you to use, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can I can hear your phone ringing right now. Yeah, someone called. That's funny. I, I love that ringtone, by the way. Um, Thank you. But yeah, like I just wanted to mention that the packaging is like superb, just amazing. So, Joe, what's next for the Light Phone Company? I mean, I think we have a lot of ambitions in the more immediate future. We definitely want to continue to improve the Light Phone too you know, we were able to build the product and deliver the hardware, uh, but we see so much potential for software to continue to improve. Um, you kind of mentioned some of the features at the beginning, uh, but really the light phone is kind of a customizable toolbox, we like to think of it. And so, mm. you know, some people, maybe they don't need an alarm or a calculator and they want music and directions. And, you know, there's a lot of tools, you know, you could relate them to apps on a smartphone that aren't distractions, Um, you know, would being able to call an Uber on your light phone, is that a distraction? Or is that actually just, you know, a nice thing to potentially have after a date? Hmm. Um, Or something like that. Um, So there's a lot of these tools, you know, a calendar, perhaps, to even more specific things for, you know, niche or markets like a metronome, 
that someone might use for practicing music or yoga or, or exercises. Um, so there's, you know, a slew of tools, we call them, that we want to continue to build and we want to continue to prove the OS itself. Uh, but I also think, you know, the light phone feels like the first product of ours, you know, and I think it's a great product because it really puts a like flag down as to some of our philosophies as a brand and, and where we stand relative to other tech companies. But I'd love to imagine what other light products, you know, if we took other things and ran them through that same kind of do a few things well, designed to be used as little as possible, respectfully as possible, like, you know, what other cool things we could create. Uh, and then, you know, kind of ideas that like, you know, the light phone, when you go light, uh, you know, you have such a limited toolbox. You don't have a camera on the phone. You don't have a sketchbook or any of these other things. So what other products might we be able to sell that would complement the lifestyle? Um, you know, we're considering a, we're working on a collaboration with a headphone company to make it a little bit cheaper and easier to get headphones to go with the phone to, nice. you know, whatever else kind of relates and even potentially some somewhat of like education. Like I'd love to sell digital minimalism or deep work, you know, to mm -hmm. Cal Newport's books to kind of, you know, help make using the light phone easier. I think that's really what the goal is, is to make it easier for more people to uh, make the jump because I think there's an infinite number of excuses we come up with. Well, what about this app? What about that app? What about, um, so, you know, the more flushed out the phone is, the easier it will be for people to kind of make the plunge and, and try going light. Because uh, I'm sure you experience there is a little bit of initial anxiety when, when you go light, you know, you're, you're kind of faced with boredom in a whole new <laughs> uh upfront way and and that's kind of the beauty of it we try to embrace it but also we won't want it to scare people back to their smartphones mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of got to find it, it's healthy balance absolutely and i will be transparent in saying that i still do have my iphone but i've literally regulated it to um just two hours a day because i use it for my podcast and stuff but two hours a day that's what I'm on my, my phone for and Instagram and the rest, it's like, I'm going like the rest the rest of the day. Um, and that's how a lot of people we've talked to, you know, like a lot of artists by the phone or musicians and they need to post on social media about their upcoming projects. And, you know, that's how they make their livelihood. But mm -hmm. a lot of them say, then I put my iPhone back in the drawer, close it. And I go about my life with my girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever else, you know, mm -hmm. with my light phone knowing, you know, I'm reachable, but I don't have all the, the work, you know, I'm sure you, you're probably aware, like as a freelancer or an entrepreneur, it's really hard sometimes to set boundaries of on work, off work. And I think, you know, some people that's what the light phone represents is like maybe nine to five, they use their iPhone, but then it's like, I'm done working. I need some time for my own self um, mm -hmm. and, and to make that boundary tangible you know uh, and other people like i went full life phone uh, you know i don't even use a smartphone but the computer is quite an amazing tool and I, I like my computer because i have the full keyboard i have all my files uh, and i'm able to you know reply to people on social media uh, how we plan this you know i talk to you on my laptop mm -hmm. yeah i can't wait till i can't wait till instagram goes like full desktop. I feel like it's going to come eventually, but when they do that, I'm probably going to get rid of my iPhone. That's, yeah. that's literally the one thing. It gets that's better all the time because you, you didn't used to be able to 
uh, message on the computer. Now you can, which is nice, but you can't do stories and things like that. So yes. we spend, we buy all these programs that help us do all that, but it's only because I don't want the smartphone around. <laughs> you got to go to extremes to really live the, the way that you want to live, right? For sure. Yeah. One of our users, he said it in this way that I just always am quoting. I think it's so good. He's like minor inconveniences for getting my life back, you know? Mm. not having this little tool or that tool. He's like, yeah, maybe it's a little bit more inconvenient. I have to look up where I'm going before I leave my house. But then when I leave my house, I'm not like, Oh God, I don't have service. Where's where, you know, you know where you're going. Mm. It's a minor inconvenience, but he's like, I, I have my life back and that's priceless. So, you know, so maybe not the right phone for everyone, but I think for a lot of people, you know, we forgot that like uh, we, we, we lived without, a smartphone in our pocket and life mm-hmm. went on <laughs> just fine. Very true. This is a purpose round where entrepreneurs, creatives, and social impactors are asked a series of questions that highlight their true purpose. Welcome to the purpose round where we ask the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind our entrepreneurs and their journey. So Joe, what is your purpose? I think just to try to encourage people to be more conscious of their time through my art, through the light phone. I think that's kind of a fundamental underlying thing is to remind people that we're humans and whatever that means to you, but to not forget it, you know? Sure. Well, what is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? I think, uh, you know, it's going to sound so corny, but like my cat spending time with her every single day doing nothing else is just like the most calming time. And, you know, just it's the one thing I definitely every day slow down and do, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, at different points in my life, there's probably been other similar habits, but I think, you know, every single day to slow down and, you know, almost get inspired by her calmness. You know, she's not anxious about the future. She's not anxious about this. She's just here and present. And I think that's, you know, the best reminder. Got you. If you could have a conversation with one person living or dead, who would it be and why? I could probably name a billion dead people I'd love to talk to. But first one that came to my mind was Kurt Vonnegut. Maybe it's because I've been reading a bunch of his books lately, but I just have the feeling we'd be best friends. (laughs) Whenever I read anything of his, I'm like, oh man, if you were alive, we'd be best friends. But Okay. And what was your most impactful moment? What did you learn from it? Oh man, that's a... It's like you, every day, every, every day is an impactful moment for you right now. eh? Definitely. Um, I mean, I think the light phone project has been one of the most eye opening and life changing things that I ever started. And, um, it's been empowering. It's been humbling, you know, on some sense, it's knocked me down to the ground and made me realize how little I know and in other ways it's taught me that, you know, you can achieve anything if you put your mind to it. So I'd say, you know, the greater light phone uh, as a turning point in my life from just being a freelance artist to really trying to put something more ownable in the world uh, has changed me forever. What was the best advice you've ever received? I guess they all kind of sound 
cliche, but, uh, you know, my teachers in college, and maybe it's because I respected and admired them telling me to always just be true to myself that, you know, to trust your gut in all the things you do. And it sounds so like, you know, cliche proverb, but, you know, that purpose point or passion point inside you, you know, you got to follow that um, at every step of the way. Got you. What would you say are your top three most influential books? Oof. Oh man, that's a lot too. Um, f- French existentialism. So like uh, Sarge's book, uh, Being in Nothingness, that had a really profound turn on me when I was in college about, you know, kind of taking responsibility for our own lives. Um, Kurt Vonnegut has done wonders for me, so I probably should mention one of his books. Um, Welcome to the Monkey House, a series of short stories of his was really, really profound on me. Um, And, I mean, there's so many books, but I'll just... uh, I don't want to leave out anyone that I love so Mm -hmm. much. Maybe I'll I'll pick a more generic one, uh, Hemingway, um, Old Man in the Sea, because it it taught me so much about my father who like we've always kind of had trouble connecting because we have such different uh, backgrounds Mm -hmm. and old man in the sea. I found I was able to relate to my dad and so much after reading that book. So on like a family personal level, that one was really impactful. Got you. And tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. Uh, Well, I think, you know, you, you probably hear this all the time is that, you know, being your own boss is a dream or an easy or, you know, some sort of benefit. Uh, And I think, you know, every entrepreneur would agree that if you think that you want to be your own boss because you can go skateboard all day on Tuesday, whenever you want and take off time here and there, then you have it very twisted. And I think that's a common misconception. People are like, Oh, your own boss. You can come to the beach tomorrow. It's like, no, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's definitely the probably the most common misconception. Got you. And is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners today? Yeah, I think especially as it relates to potentially starting a, a business or some sort of you know project, uh, something that I really learned with the Light Phone was the value of having a co-founder or like a partner with you. Um, I'm so used to being a kind of soul artist, you know, really just wanting to own a whole project myself and do it all myself and feeling like, you know, I'll do it the best because I'll go the extra mile. Um, and I've learned so much because of Kai, uh, my, my partner, he comes from, you know, a different walk of life, almost a different generation and all these different experiences. And, and, you know, uh, he's added so much value to each decision we've had to make. If we don't agree, you know, we end up hearing each other out and coming to a better place than either of us initially thought, you know, the, the power of collaboration, but also just on an emotional roller coaster, uh, to have someone to lean on when you're, you know, at rock bottom or someone to cheers when things are going really good. Um, someone that can relate deeply with, you know, the stress you're in or the happiness you're in. Uh, and I think, you know, I always thought I would start businesses on my own. And now I can't imagine starting something like the light phone without a partner. Got you. Joe, really appreciate you coming on the show today. 
Yeah, that was my pleasure. It was really fun. Good questions too. You had me stumped on the books one. That's that's the key. I'm just trying to. <laughs> that's the key. You got to really dig deep. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. This episode was brought to you by my senior editor, Podcast Doc. And the beats were created by DJ Nana. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. All it does is drive more listeners to the podcast as we continue to share more purposeful stories to your eardrums. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.